Hello, listeners, and welcome to Sound Live. I'm Jane Nicola, your host. And this is Podcast 21, and it marks the end of Season 1. In this pod, I speak with Remo, who is a writer and a filmmaker. He's currently living out here in Shanghai, and that's how I came across him largely through work. So you will hear about his award-winning film, Orphanage for the Records, and more. So sit back and enjoy the show. Yeah, welcome, Remo. Thank you for inviting me to your space. And where are you ringing in from? I'm in Shanghai, Lingan, which I've been here for some time. So I've been in Shanghai now for, well, for, well three years, three and a half years. After many years in Hong Kong, I accepted the job here in, um, in mainland China, um, in Shanghai. Uh, but after many, uh, so it was really just the... Uh, uh, the layer of the job, but I, I was in Hong Kong for uh, more than 20 years and working mainly in media. Um, and, uh, so I never really thought about coming to work on the mainland, but now I've crossed over and I, I'm, I have a better understanding of it and really enjoy making Shanghai home. Yeah. I mean, you can see from your, your media, social media that you go all over the place. And uh, get up to all sorts. <laughs> it's unfortunate I'm discovering for the first time some of these places, but things, it's a lot easier to travel these days than it was. You have to cross that border. So coming originally from the UK and then spending uh, probably half my life in Asia has added a number of dimensions to my experience and just made me a bit more, as a glo- more of a global person. Can you tell us about your latest project, Orphanage for Records? All right, well, that's interesting because that was quite my latest, but but it but it's certainly one of the most recently successful projects. It's it. I was in Hong Kong uh, during COVID time, just before COVID time, actually, and and I will thought I wanted to make a film about this man in Shamsri Po, uh, Paul Al, who has three hundred thousand. He has a record shop, three hundred thousand vinyl records, and he's kind of stuck in the seventies. He's a bit of a local legend, so I just start. We start. Me and a friend started filming him, collecting this footage. So, I, so I got all this footage together. During COVID, I started editing it and finding f- footage of uh, his memories. He was a, a a refugee from Vietnam in the seventies who went into Hong Kong and opened a record shop. So I was getting his footage of Vietnam at the time and the footage of Hong Kong in like the mid seventies, and. It just came together, and then I thought, well, I put it out on fest on the festival, so I wasn't expecting it to get anywhere. But it, but it seemed it seemed that um, it seemed to be liked on a festival circuit. It, it won it won the best uh, art house short art house art house short movie uh, art, uh, best short art house film for the eight and a half film awards in Rome and in Paris and London, and they they seemed to like it in, in India as well. That's amazing. And what was he like? What was he like as a character? He's He's very much, uh, he sort of embodies vinyl in that he, he, he believes in things that last. So that's really what the film is about. And, and I mean, I think one of the things that's driving it is the message. And the fact he says that, uh, 
downloading digital is like drinking champagne from a paper cup. So that's one of one of the things he said from you know, from downloading digital music. So I think his sincerity and and the, and also the fact that vinyl has made a bit of a comeback has probably uh, been one of the reasons for um, the interest in the film. So that's still doing the festival circuit. It's it's I mean these are mid range festivals. It's not not Oscars, but uh, the response has been really good, and especially in Europe. And I think they're interested in. Um, because this, this man's in Sham Shui Po in Hong Kong. He's a Chinese Vietnamese uh, refugee who, so that's part of the story as well. Um, so I think the interest in, in Asia, in Europe, has something to do, do with it, and also the interest in vinyl. But yeah, Wolf Minister Records, it's on the Chan Chan Teng channel uh, on, on YouTube, Chan Chan Teng, which is, which is a channel about, about um, kind of Hong Kong culture. And the actual area itself, the history of that area, because some people may know about it if they've been to Hong Kong or live in Hong Kong, but for those who yeah. don't, would could you say anything else about it? It's, I mean, it used to be seen as a poorer area, but now as Hong Kong has changed and also the high, the uh, luxury developments have kind of uh, tower, are towering above the landscape and all the other changes that, that we know about, one of the last preserved areas of Hong Kong, of the culture that Hong Kong found itself as a, um, so I think, um, and, and of course it's been seen as a, as a, as a bit of a cultural hub for, for embodying Hong Kong. So yeah, it, it's, South Shui is one of the last places you can see a lot of Hong Kong culture. Do you feel that your film, filming processes, cause you also do photography as well, um, have yeah. changed? over the years, your processes into it? Uh, hopefully they're getting better. <laughs> um, I think that we, we live in an age of like visual immediacy with, um, I mean, now you can get extra footage on your phone, although I use a, a 4K camera, a 734K camera. I, you know, I, I, I think that it's just like any language. I mean, I'm basically a writer as well because I publish fiction. I published in anthologies in Hong Kong and anthologies in, in the UK and like, you know, right. Feature articles. So filmmaking is a form of, um, visual storytelling, you know, so it's, it, it's extends from being, it's, you're telling, you're telling stories of images. So, I mean, I'd like to think that my visual language is becoming more articulate in that sense. Um, it, it is, you know, image is one of the most generic ways to present and I, one of the most ways to present an idea, one of the fundamental ways to present an idea. And when I think of stories, I always think of images first. So, so it, so it links up there with, with my work as a writer and like in Hong Kong, I was working as a, in, uh, in media, mainly as a writer and editor for newspapers and magazines. So, the, you know, filming merged with my, my sort of merges my interest with photography and writing. And didn't you live in Hong Kong for a while? I lived in Hong Kong Island. I Near North Point, I lived in um, Cornell. Near North, I lived in Sai Kung. I lived in Sha Tin. Um, I pretty much lived all over Hong Kong. Um, but I find that that area in Kowloon, um, Tam Shui Po, and and uh, I found uh, that area to be quite special in that it sort of retained a lot of the characteristics. Now, going from Tim Sa Choi up to uh, uh, North really has retained a lot of the characteristics of of Hong Kong as a as an as as a, as a unique entity. 
it has Hong Kong characteristics. Freewheeling, bustling, creatively, finding creative ways to survive. And you re- I know you recently went back to the UK and Italy, and you've got roots going back there. Yeah. What was it like? Because I think you'd been here for a long time, COVID hit, and then, you know, you, you went away and then came back. Well, it's wonderful because I've been away for so long. So you sort of go back to your roots. Um, both, like, my family have roots in Italy, uh, both in the UK, and, well, uh, obviously I'm, I'm British, so where I was born and raised, but, uh, but being away for so long, you, you sort of realized, you appreciate kind of, or you kind of realize you refresh, you know, what, what you, what you were to begin with, I suppose, when you go away for a very long period. And, um, uh, obviously there's been a lot of changes in those places, uh, which, so you also see the changes. Um, but I also know, I feel that I probably, my three homes, I would probably consider to be UK, Italy and, um, Hong Kong. But no, now the longer I stay in, home is sort of changing. Home, it's one of those strange things. Obviously, all those are essential components, but also, also home is about people, isn't it? So, no, never heard anybody talk about three homes in the way that you do. I've had people mention two homes, but the fact that you call it three homes is really interesting. Well, I think it's just something to do with the my diaspora background and and. Yeah, obviously, I was born and raised in the UK, so my family originated to Italy and went to the UK, and um, uh, and they've been in several decades running ice cream places. So, um, I think that you know because of that, and then me moving to Hong Kong, so I've so you know that's what's given me my free homes. But obviously, I was born and raised in in the UK, so that's um, I'd say it's my main home, but. That's how I was born and raised and socialized. So that's, but those are, those are essential. Com- my home, I think, is, um, uh, you know, as now I'm here and it's also about the people, uh, the definition, the definition of home is changing. It changes as you, as you, uh, you know, especially, you know, I mean, the, the people in the UK, you know, say, obviously, sadly, and a lot, a lot of them have died as well, but, um, but that also changes your 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 your, your definition of home, and yeah, well, it depends. It's one of those abstract things. Home doesn't it let you? I mean, we're expats. Whether we're Shanghai is also another type of home. It's become home at the moment. That's that's our reality right now. <laughs> and who do you admire in the film and creative industries? Have you had any mentors or influences? I've had a lot of teachers, like when. Um, when I was getting into the Hong Kong film scene in the zeros, there were a lot of experienced um, producers who I won't mention any names. <laughs> who uh, who I was learning f- learning from. I mean, I I think I you know I like the films. If I if I could talk about the styles of films of um, like Wong Kar Wai and uh, the work of Wong Kar and, and uh, Christopher Doyle and um, uh, Goddard. Some of the some of the uh, the Japanese directors of the sixties, um, Teshikahara. Uh, so it, I think uh, Sergio Leone, the Italian director. I think um, you like, you look at their techniques and then you you learn from them. And the same with that, a musician might learn from a number of different musicians, and, and then you sort of, it, it, their their visual language 
Yeah. So I think, you know, when I, when I was growing up, I was kind of, um, from the golden age of cinema, I suppose. Kurosawa. Yeah. Yeah. My last question for you, and thanks so much for talking about your journey is, do you have any words of advice or suggestions for others looking to get into filmmaking and perhaps those who, you know, maybe are like yourself? Um, that's actually not an easy question to answer, but I think that the, the, the way, the way they use visual language you now, for example, Otsu, who's a Japanese director of the sixties, he would use them. If, comp, if for him, he would have a still image and everything was in the composition of the camera. Um, so for as long as the composition is, is, uh, like a, he was, it was almost like a, his image was almost like, like a painting. Uh, once, once the composition is set up, then the story can be told. So these are the things I look for now in the work of like Wakawai with, uh, with Christopher Dawes, uh, camera work, he would move the camera around. Um, but that's frame that very much fitted the, um, the environment of, of Hong Kong, the way that's. Sergio Leone, uh, the Italian director, he did a lot of Westerns, but though, but not the, the main, some of the ones, the films I like of his, a lot of people wouldn't, know not the mainstream ones, such as the Fistful of Dynamite, which was a, um, the way, the way that he was able to use music and character and tell a story. Um, so you learn from different, uh, filmmakers in different ways. Obviously everyone was influenced by Kurosawa and some of these big names. Um, and in, in the way that he was able to, uh, create, you know, also to compose and, and, and use movement. But I think, um, it's like, it's just like a lot of artists, you're not really totally conscious of, you're sort of, uh, inspired by them and you're awestruck by their work and then somehow they influence you and you're finding, you're finding, it's almost like it's an acquisition going on there. You're finding your own, but I think, you know, it really depends what, if you think about what the meaning of the film is, you will pick up the motifs, uh, of the, um, uh, the certain visual motifs that will help you tell the story or, or get the idea of the, of the film. Is there anything else you'd like to share at all? I think if you're serious about filmmaking, don't just use your phone. <laughs> But obviously, obviously there, there is a, there is a, there is a whole art form. It, if you're serious about filmmaking, you no, know, no, know what, what, what you want to say and, you know, find yourself as a visual storyteller. If you're inspired, then, then get, then learn by doing, learn by doing and, and then, and then just get, get your film done and then put it out on the festivals. Thank you for listening in to Soundvibe, and this marks the end of my podcast season one. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast as much as I have creating them. Bye for now.